So today we want to dive into the book of Daniel as an yeah. example. And so I know it's not controversial at all. And so we, that's, that's we the reason we need scuba deer to dive into <laughs> Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, it's one of, one of my favorite books. It, it talks about the hope that we find even right. in the midst of persecution. Right. And so there's been a lot of arguing about what it, what its intent, its genre. And so uh, we want to use it kind of as a template to kind of answer other sure. questions. And so the first one is going to be biblical prophecy. Sure. So in your, uh, in your experience, what is the, the purpose, the intent, the reason for biblical prophecy? Well, the problem is that we tend to look at English definitions to these words. But this, these are not English texts, right? So the word prophecy has a much wider semantic field than the English word. And originally, it referred to a way that God communicated to his people, right? Mm. So sometimes it refers to history. You know, we, call, we don't call them that, but the Jews call the historical books the early prophets. Because in the Old Testament, to write scripture, you had to be a prophet. Remember, Moses is called a prophet, Deuteronomy 18. So Samuel, Kings, and Chronicles are called the early prophets. So it's not so much this predictor of the future right. as it is God speaking his people today. And he does it in different ways. There are different kinds of prophecies. And here's the problem. We try to make the Bible all one level sure. and all literal. Mm -hmm. And that's just tragedy in prophecy. Mm -hmm. Because some prophecies are given to change God's people's current lifestyle so what he said would not happen. Mm -hmm. Good example is Jonah, right? right. Mm -hmm. nothing, that, nothing that Jonah said happened because Nineveh repented. Other kind of prophecies are what we call multiple fulfillment. Mm -hmm. Example, like Daniel, mm -hmm. the abomination of desolation. Now that refers to a king in the Seleucid time. Mm -hmm. It refers to Titus in Matthew, the destructor of Jerusalem. And it refers to an end time antichrist. And the only way you know is not the phrase, but the context, right? Right. Like so, virgin birth. Too. So the prophecy was for their time, but it also applies for our time as well, looking forward to the exactly. future. And in two ways. Sometimes it does predict the future, right? Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes it's just meant to shake them up what is going to happen if they don't change. Mm -hmm. And we've got to make a distinction between those two. And that's what we get so caught up in is, uh, is it, we, we try to add a system into the, oh, brother, into the we way do. we look at the, what, what the original author meant. It, and ah, we, we, do. we do the mathematics behind it. And so. Oh, it's tragic what we do. Because the problem is we push systems made by fallen humans instead of text, inspired text from God. Right. And I, we were visiting the other day, and I want to re reiterate this. My problem with a lot of interpreters on Daniel is they link passages together in the Bible where the passage doesn't say it should be linked. Mm. And then their linking becomes as inspired mm. as the text they quoted. Now, a perfect example, not in Daniel, but related to eschatology, mm -hmm. is the rapture of 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 mm. through 18. Yes. To say that's a secret rapture, there is nothing in that text or anywhere else in the Bible that has a secret rapture. Mm -hmm. People always say to me, well, Matthew 24 has one will be taken, one will be left. But if you'll look mm -hmm. at that, it says, as in the days of Noah, mm -hmm. the ones taken in Noah's days are killed. All right. So mm -hmm. we've turned the Bible on its head to affirm a systematic theology. Mm -hmm. That's what we've got to watch out for in both Daniel 
and revelation for yeah. sure. So let's say I'm a new believer. I think Daniel can be kind of intimidating. Don't read in. Daniel if you're a new believer. <laughs> yes. It's just not for new Christians. I mean, for new Christians, they need to read some basic truths about mm -hmm. the God's working with human beings, right? right? So to jump into Daniel too early mm -hmm. is going to be to buy into these systems. Now, mm -hmm. this is a joke, but mm -hmm. I think you'll understand what I'm saying. What we do is we want to study Daniel. We don't have a clue. It's so wild after chapter mm -hmm. 6, we buy somebody's commentary. Right. So then we read their commentary. They quote often from the Bible. It sounds so logical. Suddenly, we start affirming the commentary right. and don't go to the Bible. What was the joke that... Yeah, I won't tell you that joke. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Somebody said to me, you know, the Bible throws a lot of light on commentaries. Yeah. <laughs> so when I teach people to come at the Bible, I tell them never go to a commentary first. That you, the Bible, and the Holy Spirit have priority. Amen. So you've got to pray and read. <laughs> Somebody needs to help you ask the right questions. <laughs> then... Thank mm -hmm. God for commentators and mm -hmm. scholars. Thank mm -hmm. God. But then you go to them after you've paid the price. Mm -hmm. And what we're doing is taking a shortcut, a cheap cut. Right. And then we make what somebody else says more powerful than what God says. Right. And so let, let's talk about prophecy today. Um, so right. we have Daniel set in the 6th century B.C. And then we have prophecy today. And we were talking about cessationism. Uh, and I know you're not one, and right. so uh, how, how do you see that today? Sure, and I'm not trying to do an advertisement here, but sure. you're asking me questions that have a lot of, of details and thought. Yes. Um, on my website, freebiblecommentary.org, I have a, the second red box is called Special Topics, mm -hmm. and I have a special topic on Old Testament prophecy and a separate one on New Testament prophecy mm -hmm. because I believe that there, that there is no current inspiration being given mm -hmm. we have illumination but no inspiration sure. so new testament prophets do not write scripture mm -hmm. they help interpret scripture that's already written mm -hmm. so in the new testament we've got to say to people prophecy in the new testament is really different than prophecy in the old mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. could you could you elaborate on that uh the prophecy in the new testament yeah um, I would say we cannot deny there's a predictive element because of Agabus telling Paul sure. what's going to happen in Jerusalem. Right. But the vast majority of New Testament prophets was another way of presenting the gospel. So when I go to Ephesians 4, 11 particularly, and all those different gifts, you know, you have apostle mm -hmm. and prophet, mm -hmm. evangelist, pastor, teacher. They all have the same message, but they approach and give that message in a different way. Mm -hmm. Well, prophets are people... Uh, I guess the, the example I used, I was interim at First Van, mm -hmm. and I felt God was calling me away from the university into a church, and it was a specific church that I felt God told me about. And I was struggling with that, and a lady came up to me. Uh, she, at that time, she was an older lady. Now she'd be my age, and she said, God told me to tell you. Now, David, I've had some strange people tell mm -hmm. that me, but because we're pastors, we say, oh, really? Yeah, what did yeah. he say? She said, God told me to tell you, he knows that you're available. That oh. solved every need of my heart. There was fear, there was anxiety. Mm -hmm. That one sentence from that yeah. one lady mm -hmm. changed. I think she was a prophet. Mm -hmm. I'm so sorry that Baptists are nervous about lady prophets. Mm -hmm. I, I often say, Baptists only like two gifts. 
giving and preaching, and the rest give them a rash. You're going to get me in trouble here, Pat. <laughs> You're going to get me in trouble here. But yeah, even in that passage with Agabus, you have the four uh, unmarried, it mentions unmarried uh, yeah. prophetess. Well, so, the, the daughters of Philip, right? Yes, yeah. yes. So sorry we can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So coming back to Daniel, uh, we we have a lot of argument as to when it was written because of the biblical prophecy element. Uh, there's so much detail in here that is so accurate that a lot of people believe it was written sometime in the Maccabean era, right? And the pro not only the accuracy, but there's some inaccuracy after a certain period okay. that in related to Antiochus the Fourth. Okay. So yes, and. Um, there is the problem of the later Aramaic. It fits more with later passages in the Bible than new. Mm -hmm. You have loan words, Persian, Aramaic mm -hmm. loan words. Mm -hmm. I hold to an early date, mm -hmm. and I think, again, an introduction, whether in my commentaries or in the study Bible, will help you get a perspective mm -hmm. once you read the, the book for yourself. Mm -hmm. um, I'm assuming that Daniel is prophecy, mm -hmm. but here's the key, and we're, I know you're going to ask me in a minute about mm -hmm. it. There are four kingdoms in chapter two. Mm -hmm. Those kingdoms are again talked about in chapter seven and eight, which is mm -hmm. the second section, mm -hmm. second genre. And these link together. And what we're dealing with is four Gentile pagan nations between Daniel's day and Christ. Mm -hmm. And the last one is the coming of the eternal kingdom, which is the fifth, right? Yeah, right. So that the fourth kingdom has got to be Rome. Um, I have a little note here I was going to mention to you. I think we can take these kingdoms and say that the Bible itself identifies them. So the first one, and this is going to be Daniel 2.38, is Nebuchadnezzar, the head of gold, okay? The next two are not dealt with till chapter 7 and 8. Now that's going to be the period, the Seleucid period, where the Jews of Daniel's day are going to suffer terrible persecution, right? And that's going to be identified in chapter 8.20, the second one is Medo-Persian, in 821, the third one is Greece. Now, the fourth one is not identified, but it's the time when the Messiah comes, so it's got to be Rome. And the fifth is the rock hewn with no hands that hits the statue, and it crumbles, right? Mm -hmm. And for Daniel, that was prophecy, right? Because he was living in the time of right. Babylon in the 6th century right. B.C. Nebuchadnezzar. And second. so what was the purpose? So uh, a Jew in that time sure, hearing that's a this great prophecy. Question. And I think... That when you just said it in your introduction, but let me reiterate it. Daniel knew about Jeremiah's prophecy of 70 weeks. Mm -hmm. And so in, Dan in chapter 9, he's going to try to deal with those 70 weeks. And mm -hmm. what he thought is that after the Babylonian captivity, that Jerusalem would be restored and God's people would be safe. And shockingly, what God said is, Daniel, there's more real problems to come. Jerusalem will be destroyed again. Uh, your people have just started the suffering period. So whatever you deal about prophecy, what this is basically saying is God's people are always under pressure, mm -hmm. but God is in control of history. Amen. Trust me. Amen. So whatever we fight about Daniel 9, and that may be Daniel 9, 24 through 27, is probably the most controversial text in the mm -hmm. whole Old Testament. Mm -hmm. However you fit it in the Seleucid period, Maccabean period or the end time period, whichever mm -hmm. one you do, everybody's going to suffer in a world that doesn't know God if mm -hmm. they do know him. Mm -hmm. Be content with that. Mm -hmm. We don't seek persecution, but if it comes, 
we know our God is with us and for us. Amen. And that's the major purpose, I think. One of the ways I've, I've seen it in an illustration is that you're climbing a mountain and then you think you're getting to the top. And then once you get to the top, you see there's more mountain. And so with biblical prophecy, we have to be prepared for that exactly. as well. And so, and so people tell you, I say another thing, that two mountain illustration, they took crisis of their day, whoever the prophet is, crisis of their day, and they projected that into an end time setting. But we are Westerners and we want everything to fit literally like mm. an engineer. Sure. And the Bible is literary. Yes. So we make it say far more details mm -hmm. than prophecy or apocalyptic was mm -hmm. meant to say. Mm -hmm. We think in binary here in the Western world, uh, A and B, is it right. A or B? Is it, it's a dichotomy. But in uh, what I've learned from you is that, you know, it, it, in the West, in the Eastern world, the, the thought was yes and yes. Yes and yes. And so I think we have to uh, approach scripture uh, in the intent, in the original uh, intent. Oh, I agree. And what we need to say is we are A or B and the Bible is A and B. Yes. But we cannot, as believers, let one inspired text damage or depreciate another inspired text. Yes. And what these systematic theologies do, whichever one they are, including my own, mm -hmm. they put a grid over the Bible and allow it to speak what we like, ignore what we don't like, and bend what we can and claim God's, God said. I'm nervous of all systems. But... We need to get back, and we need to remember that exegesis needs to inform systematic theology and not vice versa. Yeah. So Jewish people, Eastern people, tend to present truth in stories and usually exaggerated stories and intention-filled pairs, and Western people are totally incapable of thinking like that. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you could uh, just lastly sum up uh, biblical prophecy, like in, in one statement, the purpose, the use uh, of biblical prophecy. God is in control of history, trust me. Mm -hmm. That's it, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's Old Testament prophecy or apocalyptic, what it's saying to God's people. Mm -hmm. You may not understand. You may be suffering. Mm -hmm. But I know the future. I'm telling you the future so you will trust me in the present. Amen. Right? Amen. Thank you.